Here it is. From deep inside your audio device of choice. I'm undergoing self-isolation. It's the only way to be. Just for the lack of stimulation. So come self-isolate with me. I'm isolating a whole different self, ladies and gentlemen, because it's a new year, right? Isn't that the way it works? Um, We are, I think, all in the throes or the catches of uh, celebrating this this weird little tradition we have in our culture of thinking that uh, things really are going to change as the um, old year ends. And the new year, new year, new years. I'll, I'll work with these teeth as long as I have them. The new year is rung in, and it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a cute concept. It's it's easy to believe in until you realize, of course, that uh, ours isn't the only calendar on the Earth. Forget you know the other planets and the other the rest of the thing, but even even on this little green ball here. There are, what, half a dozen more calendars currently running, the ones we know about and, and others that don't get as much oxygen. Does, the, um, does the, the fate machine restart each time one of those flips a year? Then it would just seem as if it's almost random, the pace of all those yearly changes that come one after the other. Yes, each calendar is, of course... Not synchronized with any any of the others. It's um, you know, it, it's part of a situation where we really don't understand that much about time anyway. I mean, the the, the clearest concept I have of it is is it's the thing that runs out just as a guest on a uh, news interview program starts to answer the question. I'm pretty pretty solid with that. But so what you know how do we how do we look for hope if if not to the pages of the calendar and i mean it's you know i'm I'm not anti calendar it's in this covid era it is very useful to distinguish one of these hideously uh, same days from the from the next or the last and it is a good way to separate uh one photograph of a hunky firefighter from the other. But we could just take the alternative path, resign ourselves to the uh, random now, and just bellow to the universe. Just begin again. Hello. Welcome to the show. Game. 
From New Orleans, I'm Harry Shearer, welcoming you to this edition of the show. Now, ladies and gentlemen... Doesn't that make you want to go to Disney? No. Oracle, the uh, tech company, said uh, last couple of weeks it has uncovered the largest fraud campaign yet targeting businesses, booking advertising in video streams that show up on smart TVs. Don't you love those? Your TV not only passes on the advertising sold by the networks and the cable channels, but now it's capable of of sending you its own commercial messages because it's smart. You get it yet? The campaign dubbed Stream Scam by Oracle supposedly exploited a technology called server-side ad insertion mm, used to inject ads. Ooh into video streams by generating records. Oh, the the scam worked by generating records that ads had been displayed and uh, therefore registered ad impressions, i.e. on your cortex or mine, without actually presenting any ads to anyone. It sounds kind of perfect. But uh, the, uh, the advertising system finds it a scam, you see. Who exactly was behind this fraud, the description by the British tech journal The Register, is not yet clear and still said to be under investigation. It could be crooks paid to artificially inflate the number of impressions that an ad delivers to the advertiser, or that's the speculation of The Register, or it could be someone involved in brokering the ads to ensure ad impression targets are met one way or the other. Due to the complexities of digital advertising, it can be hard to determine. Do you remember when the whole digital thing started and it was going to be so precise? We don't have to do Nielsen ratings anymore and guesswork and all this stuff. It's real simple. Somebody makes a digital thing. Somebody else sees a digital thing. There's a digital record of it, and a digital guy can look at it. Or gal. We're, we're a long way down the line. In just four months, the scammers are estimated to have conjured up almost $15 million worth of fraudulent billings to advertisers without providing anything in return, like our eyeballs. Again, it sounds like heaven. To me, Oracle uh, had that uh, estimate of the money lost. The final amount billed may be reduced upon audit. Well, that always happens. It's the advertising business. Oracle claims that Stream Scam spooked more than 28 million valid Internet protocol addresses associated with U.S. households, affecting 3,600 apps and 3,400 connective TV devices like Apple TV, Amazon Fire TV, Google TV, Roku, and Samsung Titan Smart TV. Oh, sorry, Tizen. Apparently you couldn't copyright Titan. That's an order of magnitude more than the largest previously detected connected TV fraud campaign called Ice Bucket. That was spotted in April. It involved 2 million spoofed household IP addresses. 
Oracle has a cloud business. Reminder, it's not up there. It's in a server farm somewhere in northeast Virginia, northwest Virginia. Uh, the business operates an analytics service called Moat. Companies use Moat to measure digital marketing. Oracle said that while making such measurements, it discovered that those behind the scam had created a server network that sends ad impression events to its Moat service and to advertisers without sending ads or video content to anyone. I got to take that person to dinner. Seriously. Ads that we don't have to see. It, again, it sounds like a household miracle. Wash day miracle. They forged household IP addresses, app IDs, and device ideas in the measurement events to make it appear that ads had played in those environments when, in fact, they did not, said Oracle. The head of product for Oracle Moat said the identity of the perpetrators is unknown. We're actively working with our industry partners to further research and attempt to determine the source of fraudulent activity, the guy said. He expects connected TV ad fraud to grow. Well, doesn't everything else? No, except for newspapers. Server-side ad insertion-based fraud is a complicated challenge, as Stream Scam demonstrates, and we believe it will grow quickly until our industry adjusts its defenses to address it, he said. He being this guy. <laughs> clarify. We plan to work closely with our peers across the industry to better understand this threat and the most effective tools to block it. Last month, an anti-fraud business called Check with a Q, because it's now, published a report claiming that losses from digital advertising fraud, $35 billion, are now greater than annual credit card fraud around the world, which is only $27 billion despite the fact that the digital ad market is a, f a tenth the size of the credit card market. So it's fraud-friendly. Check estimates about 10% of all digital advertising revenue is lost to fraud compared to the 0.008% rate of credit card fraud losses. It's a smart world. But let's, let's get inside your smart house for a moment. Would you allow me? I'm in. Don't worry about it. The FBI is issuing this announcement to warn users of smart home devices with cameras and voice capabilities, warning them to use complex, unique passwords and enable two-factor authentication to help protect against swatting attacks. Is this new to you? It's a little bit new to me. Smart home device manufacturers recent, recently notified law enforcement offenders have been using stolen email passwords to access smart devices with cameras and voice capabilities and carry out swatting attacks. This is from the Internet Crime Complaint Center. Did you know there was one? Swatting is a term used to describe a hoax call made to emergency services, usually reporting an immediate threat to human life to, in order to draw a response from law enforcement and the SWAT team to a specific location. Confusion on the part of homeowners or responding officers has resulted in health-related or violent consequences and push, pulls limited resources away from valid emergencies. Swatting may be motivated by revenge, used as a form of harassment, or used as a prank. But it's a serious crime, says the Crime Complaint Center that I've never heard of before. Offenders often use spoofing technology to anonymize their own phone numbers to make it appear to first responders as if the emergency call is coming from the victim's phone number. This enhances their credibility when communicating with dispatchers. 
Recently, offenders have been using victims' smart devices, including video and audio-capable home surveillance services, to carry out swatting attacks. To gain access to the devices, offenders are likely taking advantage of customers who reuse their email passwords for their smart devices. I thought they were called smart. The offenders use stolen email passwords to log into the smart device and hijack features, including the camera and speakers. They then call emergency services to report a crime at the victim's residence. As the law enforcement responds, the offender watches the live stream footage and engages with the responding police through the camera and speakers. In some cases, the offender also live streams the event on shared online community platforms. That, ladies and gentlemen, is entertainment. I bet NBC wishes they'd thought of it. In November, according to the BBC, one of our news networks over here highlighted a case in which police went to a Florida home after receiving a fake 911 call from a man saying he had killed his wife and was hoarding explosives. They left the building after discovering it was a hoax. Officers reported hearing someone insult them by the property's Internet-connected ring doorbell. Now don't you want one? In another incident the same month in Virginia, police reported hearing the hacker shout, Help me! After arriving at the home of a person they thought might be about to kill himself. That is, the police thought that. When they questioned the attacker via the device, he claimed to have compromised four different cameras at the location and to be charging officers, oh no, sorry, others, $5 to watch online. There's a Barnum born every minute. After this, we'll log out, tell him to change his Yahoo password, his Ring password, and stop using the same passwords for the same stuff, the offender was quoted as saying by a local news station. A further event reported in Georgia, as if they don't have enough problems, in which the attacker shouted racial abuse at his victims after the police went away and claimed to have carried out more than a dozen such hacks in that day. I'm telling you, that is a, that is a smart, smart world we live in. Come on. That's smart. Now, ladies and gentlemen, let's turn to News of the land of 15,000 princes, our freedom-loving friends in Saudi Arabia. They, um, they experienced a little um, windfall over the holidays at the end of the year. The U.S. State Department approved the sale of $290 million in bombs to Saudi Arabia. This was part of a flurry of arms deals with Middle Eastern dictatorships in the last weeks of the Trump administration. Nice, nice way to go out the door. This according to The Guardian. Critics of the sales say they're being rushed through despite broad congressional and public opposition to such military support due to the human rights records of the regimes involved. And in the case of Saudi Arabia and the UAE, the huge civilian death toll from the war in Yemen that they're fighting on one side of. Apparently, rebels backed by the Iranians are fighting on the other side. So the Saudis have to have more bombs. State Department's Defense Security Cooperation Agency announced the approval of the sale of the, uh, a small diameter bomb munition and related equipment to Saudi Arabia. Recently, on the same day, the agency also announced approvals of the sale of Apache helicopters worth $4 billion to Kuwait, $104 million in defensive equipment against missile attack for the plane of the president of Egypt, as well as $65 million in precision targeting equipment for Egyptian warplanes. Egypt has been criticized for the civilian impact of its counterinsurgency campaign in the Sinai. 
Remember the Sinai? A New York think tank is planning to sue Secretary of State Pompeo over the proposed sale of of $23 billion of advanced weaponry, including drones and stealth warplanes, to the United Arab Emirates. That's according to the administration, to deter increasing Iranian aggressive behavior and threats. The deal was agreed after the Emirates agreed to normalize relations with Israel. Oh, I see. They got a little uh, little, little, little schmear on the side. Analysts believe the arms sales to the Saudis and to Kuwait are in part incentives for them to follow suit and make peace. It's a peacemaking deal by selling weapons. Critics of the arms deal say they were destabilizing and rewarded human rights abuses. The uh, spate of arms sales comes, according to The Guardian, as the transition team of President-elect Biden. I'll say that again, President-elect Biden, for those of you who are hard of hearing. Uh, that team is complaining it's not being properly beef- briefed by the Pentagon on ongoing military operations, as is customary for an incoming administration. And now maybe we know why. Maybe it's not that smart a world after all. And uh, now, ladies and gentlemen, the topic of the day, or of the moment at least, turns inexorably, inexorably, to dominion. Oh, they're going to keep playing. Don't worry about it. Because they have dominion, they think. It's not your storage unit that's packed to the gills, according to a new study. The total mass of all of our stuff, buildings, roads, cars, and everything else we manufacture, now exceeds the weight of all other living things on planet Earth, according to Science Magazine. The amount of new material added every week equals the total weight of Earth's nearly 8 billion people. I wouldn't eat that whatever you ate again, sir. I'd take that as a warning. If you weren't convinced before that humans are dominating the planet, then you should be convinced now, says Tim McPherson, an urban ecologist at the new school. What happened to the old school? Who was not involved with the research. This is an eye-catching comparison, adds Fridolin Krausman, social ecologist at the University of Natural Resources and Life Sciences in Vienna. He, like the other guy, McPherson, was not involved with the research. There are many measures of humanity's impact on the planet. Fossil fuels, of course, have sent greenhouse gases soaring. Agriculture and dwellings have altered 70% of the land on the planet. Humans have wiped out untold numbers of species in an emerging great extinction. Job well done, baby. Transformations are so great, researchers have declared we're living in, of course, a new human-dominated age, the Anthropocene. But a systems biologist at the Weizmann Institute went looking for a new gauge of our impact. He and his colleagues synthesized previous estimates of the biomass of living plants for each year between 1900 and 2017. Those estimates account for about 90% of all living things based on field research and computer modeling. From 1990 onward, they also include data from satellites. 
Researchers have used that to track global vegetation as well. Then the team added in a mass of all other living things, bacteria to whales, which they tallied up in 2018 based on field surveys, humans making up 0.01% of the planet's biomass. There's a lot of bugs out there. The yearly estimates of the mass of human-made materials came from published research by Kraussman and colleagues, including objects like cars and machines and buildings and, you know, the stuff we dump here. The change over the past 120 years is dramatic. 1900, the mass of human materials was 3% of Earth's total biomass. Since then, materials have doubled every 20 years, the team reports in Nature. The glut of concrete and asphalt began during the boom years after World War II. When developed countries, we went on a building spree. In recent decades, even more has been added. And total biomass declined gradually since 1900 because of deforestation and other reasons. The increase in human-made mass is driven by the use of dense geological resources, rocks, minerals, and metals. Human-made mass finally exceeded Earth's total living biomass this year, give or take six years. That uh, depends on whether biomass is tallied with or without water. And the mass of plastic is double that of all animals. So next time you want a pet, get a plastic bottle. Also in the world of Dominion, Brazil has changed, according to nature, as well as the COVID pandemic, killing more than 170,000 of its citizens so far. 2020 saw almost one-third of the Pantanal, the largest tropical wetland in the world, on fire. You'd think it's a wetland they could put... No. Four million... Well, uh, 15,000 square miles of forest, savanna, and shrubland, an area bigger than Maryland, have gone up in flames since last January. Almost all the indigenous territories and conservation facilities were burnt, as was much private land. Conservation areas have been devastated. One of them contained one of the largest populations of jaguars in the world. So do you like your jaguars roasted or fried? Fire's impacts have been felt throughout Brazil. Smoke has spread thousands of miles, reducing air quality in Sao Paulo, Rio de Janeiro, and other areas far away. Southern states have experienced showers of black rain. You're welcome. The fires are decimating Brazil's economy, curbing inward investment, as well as sectors such as air travel and tourism, already hit hard by the pandemic. The fires have made headlines for months. Thousands of Brazilians have volunteered to fight the flames, not including President Bolsonaro. Yet Brazil's government is doing little, ignoring the causes of the fires, a combination of inadequate fire management, climate extremes, human behavior, and weak environmental regulations. And the government has slashed funding for fire prevention and has been slow to contract firefighters. It has even cast doubts on the reliability of satellite fire detection, much like the administration in this country currently casting doubt on the death figures from COVID being reported by the CDC. Fire risks and impacts in the region are understudied. Deeper research is needed on the weather conditions that fan the fires. The conditions that fan these blazes are, are becoming increasingly common as the area warms. The Pantanal has got 94, uh, 84% of its territory conserved. It's the largest remaining wetland area of natural vegetation in the world. It's a UNESCO World Heritage Site. Traditional farmers 
Practice unique forms of sustainable agriculture. <laughs> poor, poor guys and gals. Including grazing cattle on native pastures and moving animals to higher land when lowlands flood. <laughs> Who would do that? Each uh, rainy season, floods swell the river, the Paraguay River, to support ecosystems found nowhere else on Earth. And soon, nowhere. As in, n- not, not, not nowhere else. Nowhere. And you know why, ladies and gentlemen? I'll tell you why. Because we've got... Dominion! When you do it that way, it doesn't hurt so much. Você é meu caminho, meu vinho, meu vício. Desde o início estava você, meu bálsamo benigno, meu signo, meu guru, porto seguro.
From New Orleans, this is Le Show. It could have been somebody who was uh, loose and stupid that did it. That that really could apply to pretty much the whole week, at least in uh, Washington, at least out of the mouth of the speaker. President, uh, <laughs> gee, what, what am I going to laugh at in uh, 20 days? Uh, President <laughs> Trump uh, flew back unexpectedly from his Mar-a-Lago thing where uh, the citizens or the government in uh, West Palm Beach is challenging his plans to uh, live there because when he got permission to uh, take over the place, it was going to be not a residence but a private club. Can't live in a private club. Anyway, he flew back, maybe because he got advance word that the New Year's Eve party featured as part of the entertainment, Vanilla Ice. Anyway, he, he flew back more believably and reportedly uh, to lead the quixotic. I think, that, I think anybody who didn't understand what the word quixotic was before now Getting it, uh, getting it demonstrated in real time. The quixotic attempt to challenge the uh, electoral vote in the presidential election uh, in the House and Senate in joint session this uh, coming Wednesday. And uh, sure enough, more and more Republican senators lined up behind uh, the guy who started it, a uh, senator from Missouri, who was rumored to want to run for president in, in 2024. I, I have to say, uh, just to in- interrupt myself, because I won't object, that uh, what we're going to see right after January 20th is uh, what H. Ross Perot famously called during his quixotic presidential campaign, a, gr- a, gr- a giant sucking sound as power drains from uh, the current occupant. And all the people who had to put their egos on the back burner when uh, he defeated them, many of them still aching to be in the White House, it's it's going to get real. Uh, it's it's going to there's going to be a rampage. There's going to be a split. There's going to be a thing. Anyway, so this week there is that uh, that buildup of uh, senators signing up to question the electoral votes in the swing states. It'll be presided over the joint session, as the Constitution provides, by the vice president, who's the president of the Senate, that's Mike Pence. As I say, that's coming up on Wednesday. And um, there are recurring reports that the (laughs) current occupant is in a fairly, fairly foul mood, as you might expect from somebody who has built his entire career and perhaps persona on being a winner. This week, for perhaps the last time, the writing is on the wall. And for the businessman turned chief executive, Mexico's not paying for that wall either. Jared. Uh, Mr. President, I think one more trip to the Middle East and I can wrap up a peace treaty with Oman. Great. Who are they at war with? <laughs> Nobody, but it's it's like our Jared, other... Jared, I've been watching your performance throughout the series. Mm-hmm. You started out great getting my daughter off my hands, but then what? I let you take the coronavirus off my hands, and suddenly I'm getting blamed for people getting sick. 
How is that a win? <laughs> uh, uh, sir, as I've explained to you m uh, many times, uh, th there were a lot of moving parts to the task force operation. Yeah, well, there are a lot of moving parts in my limousine, and it doesn't crash every time I get in it. <laughs> I uh, mean, sometimes it smells funny, but I just chalk that up to drive a cologne, which I've told them about. But well, well, in retrospect, uh, you know, maybe we wouldn't have left quite as much of the pandemic work up to the... Yeah, the individual states. Uh, although that's such a Republican thing, all our senators thought. Senators thought? Yeah. That's a new one. You ever seen a Mitch McConnell thinking? Um, like a constipated turtle he looks. You know, if I'd known you were going to run this task force like a loser, I'd never have pardoned your crooked dad. That was just a few days ago. You knew the problems we were encountering. Through hey, no listen. Hey, listen, buddy boy. If I'd wanted to pay attention, I would have needed you. And don't think I don't. Pay attention, that is. I know damn well that stuff with Oman is just a way to get some Arab sucker to bail out that pile of crap you've got on Fifth Avenue. <laughs> How does somebody go a mile underwater owning a Fifth Avenue building? <sighs> some people might say same way somebody could go bankrupt in the casino business. Right. Difference is that's called being smart. You wouldn't understand. So look, Mr. Boychick, I didn't come back from Mar-a-Lago just to chew the fat with a looser son-in-law. Who, by the way, booked vanilla ice for the party down there? Like, who in the freaking hell does that? That wasn't me. That was the party planner that Ivanka hired. She thought it was going to be, you know, cute having a big loser serenading a winner. That's listen, how she... Listen, pal. That so-called New York irony is why I moved to Florida, aside from the tax thing. So look... I know I'm peeing up a rope here, but you've got a task this week. Hopefully, if everybody wakes up to the hoax, it won't be your last task. <laughs> Get your friends in the media to cover this electoral vote challenge thing live. Straight through. Might run 11 or 12 hours. Our fundraising lines stay open all night. I, I, I think some of them are planning to, you know, dip in and out. A wall to freaking wall. <laughs> well, Trump-style coverage. <laughs> Call your friends the Murdoch kid. Tell them this is the way to... Get off my spit list. I can do that. It won't be true. But hey, why start now, right? <laughs> right? Uh, right. Mike. My precious jewel of loyalty. My beautiful Mike. Mr. President, the uh, opportunity to serve you this hour of need is the gift of a lifetime. I'm humbled by once again being able to be of some small assistance to you. Great. Because this is the time that the nuts not only get cut, they're sliced and served with A1 sauce. Well, that's a figure of speech only you could conjure up, sir. Yeah, one of my gifts. Mike, this Wednesday, you're going to hold the future of this country in your hands, wherever you hold stuff. I, uh, I am aware of that, sir. And again, I, I tremble at the enormity of the responsibility, even given the trivial nature of the duties assigned to me. Well, that's where you're wronger than Saks on 6th Avenue. <laughs> Listen, Mike, mm -hmm. I've been speaking to the top lawyers in the business. Rudy, Sidney, Sidney the woman, mm -hmm. Lynn, Lynn the man. Mm -hmm. They all agree. You've got power so awesome it could make me jealous if I did that kind of thing. Once the illegal votes are challenged, and we've got great senators to do that, these are senators who love the country and they love the MAGA people, my lawyers say then you're free to exercise your best judgment. And, of course, that means this great cause of continuousness or continuity or whatever of power. Continuation, probably. Mr. President, it would be my great privilege to do whatever I could to see the continuation of this magnificent 
era and edifice of leadership. Of course, my reading of the uh, relevant law leaves me uh, in a situation I, I fear is far less robust in terms of omnipotence. Thank you, Ben Mike. We moved the whole government up to Camp David. They can't send the military in there. The military runs the place. <laughs> the good senators filibuster against any attempt to cut off our money. All the TV people are going crazy because nobody's ever seen anything like it. It's Make America Great Again Squared times two. Sir, the very skilled people I turn to for guidance on this matter have advised me that uh, my duties on Wednesday are purely ministerial. Mike, 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 I'm not asking you to pray with me. <sighs> I'm offering you the one-time-only opportunity to save this country from a fate so bad nobody noticed it until I call attention to it. Mm. And don't worry about having to improvise. Stephen Miller will write everything for you. He's great and fast like you wouldn't believe. Drafts come out of him faster than the belches for most people. Uh, Mr. President, What I... is it, Mike? You want to run in 2024? Helping me right now... Set you up better than a rich father. I don't presume to aspire to a position you filled with such ease and majesty. Look, you don't believe me? That's your right as an idiot. But listen to the lawyers. They've been in a lot of the country's best courts all this year. Mr. President, there's, uh, there's one word I've never wanted to, to say to you. But I'm afraid um, I, I may have to say it now. Is it no? Because if it's no, I don't even want to hear that word coming out of your mouth, Mike. Nobody would believe it. It's so out of character. <laughs> against type, you know, like they like they say. Mm -hmm. And, of course, it goes against the loyalty thing, which, uh, if you ask me, is your best feature. So, sir, I'm afraid what uh, I'm going to be doing on Wednesday isn't going to uh, be able to help you. So I, I, I can't tell you... Uh, how refusing your request... My order. Your whatever is, is just so very painful, but... Okay, Mike, that's enough. It's pitiful and it's enough, and I, I don't know if you noticed, but I happen to have a very big bus. <laughs> and there's I have room enough left for you. Under it. New team, new tasks, same mission. We're going to make saving my ass great again. Now, a joint session of Congress is his boardroom via Presidentis this week because there may not be a next one.
Now, ladies and gentlemen, the apologies of the week. We're so sorry. The Japanese minister for the Tokyo Olympics and Paralympic Games, Seiko Hashimoto, has faced criticism for breaking COVID-19 guidelines after attending a group dinner with over five people. All the big shots do it. Doesn't it seem like that? According to a South Korean publication, the Dongan Ilbo, Hashimoto admitted she dined with five other people at a sushi restaurant in Tokyo in mid-December. She said the dinner was supposed to be with two other guests, but others joined later. She was appointed to her position a year and a half ago after moving into politics following her career as an athlete. She was a speed skater. She was also Japan's chef de mission at two Winter Olympic Games, and she's president of the Japan Skating Federation. The Prime Minister Yoshihide, Yoshihide Suga recently broke his own rules to reportedly having dinner with eight other people. Also in mid-December, he made an apology the following day, and his approval rating has dropped 16 percentage points since. They don't like uh, the big shots. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Not obeying the rules. The head of Ontario's COVID task force, this is in Canada, has apologized for pausing coronavirus vaccinations during the Christmas holidays as frustrations mount across Canada over a slow rollout of the drug. This is The Guardian also reporting this. And it puts our situation here south of the border into a some perspective, if not too much. Officials in the country's most populous province, that's Ontario, shortened the, in case you're on Jeopardy, shortened the hours of vaccination clinics 
on Christmas Eve, closed them on Christmas Day and Boxing Day, citing staffing concerns. By Tuesday, all 19 had reopened. Quote, we shouldn't have made that decision. I take responsibility for that, says the retired general, head of the province's COVID task force. And clearly we got it wrong. We've been slammed. We've been spanked. We'll pick up our game. Unquote. Canada has the highest rate per capita of secured vaccine contracts with drug manufacturers, but its rates of vaccination lag behind other countries that have also improved the drug. Canada's efforts, here's your irony right here, have been hampered by the requirements of deep cold storage needed for the Pfizer vaccine. In Canada, you could just leave it outside, as well as poorly executed vaccination programs in some of its provinces. Yeah, must be the whole continent. Must be a problem with North America. The Mail on Sunday, a, quote, newspaper, unquote, from Great Britain, has apologized to Prince Harry and issued a correction after a story claimed that he had turned his back on his military life. The story claimed that Harry did not keep in contact with the Royal Marines when he stepped down for royal duties in March and relocated to California. An article... Last October, reported that Prince Harry had been accused by a top general of turning his back on the Royal Marines since withdrawing from his military role, and that in an apparent snub to the armed forces, he had failed to reply to a letter from a former chief of the general staff, said the Mail on Sunday. We now understand, they go on, that Harry has been in contact in a private capacity with individuals in the military, including in the Royal Marines, to offer informal support. And that while he did, whilst he did not initially receive the letter referred to in the article, due to administrative issues, he has since replied on becoming aware of it. We apologize to Prince Harry and have made a donation to his Invictus Games Foundation. The Mail on Sunday acknowledged the error and took down the original article from its website. They're trying to be good, the Mail on Sunday. Harry's lawsuit will still be examined by a court and hearing will take place later this month. He sent a legal warning to the tabloid in October, and his lawyer said the story was false and defamatory. So it must have been the mail on... Oh, come on now. Come on now. We don't need that kind of talk. Deadline Richmond, Virginia, Rodney Robinson, a senior advisor for Richmond Public Schools and a former National Teacher of the Year, apologized this week for a since-deleted tweet in which he called Senator Rand Paul's 2017 attacker, it was a neighbor, a, quote, true Kentucky hero, and said it was Senate Majority Leader Mitch McConnell's neighbors, quote, turn to step up. Yeah, there was a landscaping dispute. Who knew that was going to lead to uh, Four Seasons landscaping this year? See, there's a whole landscaping theme going on here, and we're just, we're not seeing the big picture. And I, I include myself. Rand Paul's lung had to later be removed. The neighbor pleaded guilty to assaulting, assaulting, assaulting a member of Congress. Due to my ignorance of the situation, I didn't know Rand Paul was seriously injured in the altercation. No, it was in the lung, sir. Uh, the teacher wrote in a public statement in which he said the tweet was a bad joke. I qu- a quote, I apologize for making light of his injuries. I do not advocate for violence against Mitch McConnell. I often preach to my students and other teachers that the mirror is the biggest tool for improvement. You have to look into the mirror and ask yourself reflective questions and be honest with the answers. It is time for me to look in the mirror and reflect on my recent actions. Go to the mirror, boy. Apologies of the week. 
copyright feature of this broadcast. And now some news of the Olympic movement. More news of the Olympic movement. Tokyo 2020 Athletes Village Mayor Kawabuchi claims holding this year's games with no spectators would be, quote, like cooking a meal with no seasoning. Athletes have been told they are expected to arrive in the Athletes Village five days prior to their competition and leave no less, no more than two days afterwards. Kawabuchi was concerned, he said, about the athletes missing out on the Olympic opening ceremony since the athletes in the second half of the games, arriving five days before their event, would be missing that. Nothing in my life could beat that feeling of coming into the stadium and hearing the loud cheer in the Olympic march, said Athletes Village Mayor. I strongly agree with reducing the numbers in the village, but the athletes competing in the second half can't attend. I wonder if there's something that can be done. Athletes have a right to attend the opening ceremony. Add that to your list of rights, ladies and gentlemen. And with just over half a year to go before the opening ceremony, organizers are battling rising costs stemming from the pandemic and waning public interest in the host country. Japanese organizers in the IOC are publicly optimistic. They can uh, ensure the safety of more than 11,000 athletes, as well as thousands of officials, journalists, and games-related staff. But uh, when the IOC president, Thomas Bach, said last November he and the prime minister were totally aligned in the full determination and confidence to make the Olympics a great success and the Paralympics, uh, that sounds like wistful thinking six years on, according to the aforementioned Guardian. Japan has fared better than many other countries in the pandemic, just 3,400 deaths. It's heading into the new year amid a surge of infections with the host city at its center. Tokyo's governor this week warned that the capital could face an explosion of cases and urged people to put life before fun and stay home over the New Year holidays. Only 24 hours later, Tokyo had 1,300 new infections, beating the previous one-day total of 949 from last Saturday. Health experts have pointed to the logistics of testing and tracking all those visitors, as well as a potential for additional pressure on Tokyo's already overstretched medical infrastructure. And, of course, rising costs. The latest Olympic bill had risen by $2.8 billion, including $900 million for COVID stuff, to $15.4 billion, most of which, of course, will be paid for by NB- no, by the Japanese taxpayer. Oh, to be a Japanese taxpayer. Japan isn't expected to begin vaccinating its population until February at the earliest. Medical workers and vulnerable people, older people. That happens in March when 10,000 runners are due to start carrying the Olympic torch to every part of the country. Ooh, timing. It's a bitch. The Olympics, ladies and gentlemen, it's a movement. And we all need one. Every day. And finally, just a little news of microplastics. Microplastic particles have been revealed in the placentas of unborn babies for the first time. Researchers said it was, quote, 
matter of great concern, unquote. This was just three months after publication of an article in The Guardian. It said bottle-fed babies are swallowing millions of microplastic particles a day, according to research described as a milestone in the understanding of human exposure to tiny plastics. High temperature process for sterilizing plastic bottles and preparing formula milk caused bottles to shed millions of microplastics and trillions of even smaller nanoplastics. Oh, to be a baby now. Well, that's going to conclude this week's edition of the show. The program returns next week, same time on these radio stations, whenever you want it on the other audio device of choice you may have. Alexa, turn on the show every week and don't let the guy turn it off. And it would be like Alexa following my advice. If you'd agree to join with me then, would you already? Thank you very much. Uh huh. A tip of the show chapeau to the San Diego desk, to Pam Halstead and to Thomas Walsh here at WWNO New Orleans for help with today's program. The email address for this program. Yeah, it's still... Oh, people are clapping for email now. That's nice. As well as the music playlist for the show and your chance to get tar- Cars I Talk t-shirts all at harryshearer.com. And I'm on Twitter at the Harry Shearer. The show comes to you from Century of Progress Productions and originates through the facilities of WWNO New Orleans flagship station of the Changes Easy Radio Network. Whatever calendar you follow, Happy New Year from New Orleans.